0: Hey church, how we doing everybody? We're clapping already, I love it, it's awesome. It's good to see you guys today, uh, thanks for being here. I want to take a minute, I want to welcome everybody who's watching online, and of course everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus, we love you, we love you there, we love you here, we love you everywhere, and the best way we can show you is by clapping for you. So will you put your hands together and clap for somebody who's sitting next to you and is watching with us? Man, so so glad that you're here. Before we jump into our content today, I just want to take a minute. I want to give that just final plug for baptisms. Uh, it's it's happening tonight. Esta noche is going down. It's going to be so so good. So, I want to encourage you if you have not been baptized after believing in Jesus tonight is your night, okay? It's going to be awesome. It's it's a celebration it 's powerful there 's something just i don 't understand it it's just it 's just miraculous, truly it just really is very, very special, and uh, I just believe this because when we follow God when we obey what he 's asked us to do, he blesses it there 's just a supernatural blessing, and every person we talk to when they when they get baptized' it's like, man you you were right, that really was amazing, it really was powerful and it 's cool and so so that 's the spiritual part of it, but a lot of times people are wondering about the practical part of it like is the water going to be cold? Like, man, that's going to be really, really cold. We get that a lot. And, uh, and I want you to know, it's never, actually, it's never cold. In fact, sometimes our problem is that we make it too hot. We make it too hot. We actually have somebody come uh, throughout the whole afternoon with a, with a heater, and he heats the water. Sometimes we've get out, gotten up to 100 degrees. So we have to actually put some ice in it to calm it down a little bit. So we like to simmer right around the 90, 92, Okay. So anyways, you can know about that. And question, is it clean? Yes, it's chlorinated. We have little, those little chlorine things floating around, okay? So we keep it chlorinated, and every couple of baptisms or so, someone will sneak by. You don't usually see this because they're very incognito, but they have a little skimmer, one of those little pool skimmers, and they'll just do a little skim. They'll just do a little skim. Sometimes it's necessary, and that's okay? All right? It's our own little manual filter, okay? The whole experience is refreshing, okay? I want you to know that, all right? It's going to be great, and you want to be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. Um, all right, well, hey, next week we are starting a brand new series on the book of Nehemiah, talking about building your life on God. And I want to encourage you, be here. It's going to be powerful, and it's a great series to invite a friend to, someone that's not familiar with church. We'll just talk about what it looks like to build a life on God and his principles, and I promise it's going to be helpful for you. All right, well, we are in the third and final week of our forward uh, uh, series, okay? So we're launching our forward campaign, a part of our building that we're building out, as you've been talking about during announcements. You have that booklet on your seat. If you haven't taken a minute and looked at that, I want to encourage you to do that. You can kind of see some of the different details that we have with our, uh, with our building. We're very, very excited about what God has done in providing this amazing space. We started a couple weeks ago. We talked about how we really believe this fulfills the book of Esther that talks about for such a time as this. And, and two weeks ago, we laid the groundwork for that. But, but basically, this is our moment. This is our, this is our opportunity. And God has graced Summit Park Church with basically a $7 million head start. It's absolutely phenomenal. You look at the price of land, $3 million, uh, renovating instead of building ground up, $4 million. It's absolutely amazing, and it's unheard of. This is literally unheard of. And, and I believe it's not so we can have just this great building. I'll, although, praise God, it'd be nice to have our own building. That would be amazing. But it's so that we can take advantage of this opportunity to make a difference in this city. For the 75% of people who are still away from God and to bring them home to faith. I really believe that God is doing something for such a time as this. And if you believe it, say, I do. I do. I do too, all right, well, we're, we're walking through this. So a couple weeks ago, we laid the groundwork for this campaign, showed the renderings, all that, really talked about the why. Last week, we started talking about generosity, okay? And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter eight, and I told you how I actually found that chapter on accident. I was looking for chapter nine, and, and I was literally typing in my search, Second Corinthians chapter nine, I typed eight instead. And, uh, and it pulled up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And we went through that last week and it is a gem. Second Corinthians chapter eight is a gem for our souls as it relates to generosity. And it really lays this theological groundwork for how you and I should look at our resources. And so we laid the groundwork for that last week. We talked about how Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth. He would call them Corinthians, the Corinthian church, to be a part of this fundraising effort for the the Judean Christians that are going through a famine. All right, So he's raising money for them and and he's like, hey, I want you guys to be a part of this. And he's talking about these Macedonians who don't have a lot, but they're partnering with Paul and they're giving sacrificially. He's like, come on, church at Corinth. Be a part of this. And if you missed any of those, I want to encourage you, go back, check those out, these messages Build on each other. It is truly a series, and they'll encourage you as you look at generosity. Today, today, Paul, this is this is the fun part. This is where he really just he lays it all out there, okay? This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It's in the New Testament, past Romans, past 1 Corinthians, and you'll find 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You can find it on your phone as well. Uh, I'm gonna be going through this and and we're going to walk through this passage. It's very, very powerful. Uh, but, but basically what he is doing in this passage, he's talking about two ways to live, okay? Either you can live tight-fisted. Everybody say tight-fisted. Come on, everybody, both locations say tight-fisted. You can live tight-fisted or you can live open-handed. Everybody say open-handed. You can li- There's two ways that you and I live. We either live tight-fisted and, 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 you know, even as you say that doesn't kind of just make you scrunch up tight-fisted or you can live open-handed. Even as you say it, like as you open your hand physically, like it literally, there's almost like a a physical response. It's like tight-fisted versus open-handed. That's what Paul the Apostle is laying out in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, okay? And basically, I believe that this is the premise for Charles Dickinson's A Christmas Carol, Okay, so how many of you guys know A Christmas Carol? Raise your hand if you ever heard the story. Ebenezer Scrooge, Tiny Tim, Bob Cratchit, the whole, okay, classic, right? I believe that's what Charles Dickett, this, this passage of scripture, this idea of generosity is, is what he based his book on, okay? And basically, you've got two people, right? The two main characters, Ebenezer Scrooge, he's tight-fisted, and you've got Bob Cratchit, who is a lot more open-handed, Okay, that's basically dichotomy, okay? Ebenezer Scrooge, he has a lot, he's very wealthy, and yet he's stingy, he's cold, he's greedy, and he's ungracious. He says things like this. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and to not interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. What's he thinking about? Himself. Ebenezer Scrooge likes him some Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> He's a big fan of himself. That's where his mind is, right? He's constantly thinking about himself, all right? And the narrator says this of him. Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Sounds like the person you want to hang out with, right? You know, it's like, It sounds like the person you want to invite to a party, Ebenezer Scrooge. Bob Cratchit, on the other hand, completely different. He doesn't have much. He, he's And yet, he's generous, he's warm, sacrificial, and entirely gracious. After working for this horrible boss named Ebenezer Scrooge, who constantly nickels and dimes and and just cheats him out of his fair pay and just constantly on him and cutting him down. After working for him, at the Christmas dinner, he takes a moment and toasts Ebenezer Scrooge, because he's the one that, that has provided for what they've experienced. He says this, I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. He honors someone who's not even very honorable at all. Let me ask you a question. It's very rhetorical. Who had a better life, Ebenezer Scrooge or Bob Cratchit? Who had more joy? Who had more of the stuff that really matters? It's Bob Cratchit, right? It's Bob Cratchit because he lived open handed. There's two ways you, can, uh, you and I can live. It's tight fisted or open handed. You can live holding back or you can live giving back. You can live with a scarcity mindset or you can live with an abundance mentality. You can live riding the brake or you can live full on. The choice is yours and the quality of life that you have will be dependent upon which one you choose. Tight fisted or open-handed. I saw this a few years ago with my son Titus. We uh, it was it was Halloween and we we went out and we went, you know, in our neighborhoods. We love just going out and interacting with all the neighbors and, and hanging out and saying hi. And of course it's candy, so every kid loves candy. Every parent said Amen. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just like my kids love candy. They want candy. Can- so it's like Halloween, Easter. I mean, you know, and, he, and wherever there's candy, they're there, you know, with bells on. They're ready to go. And so I wanted to be there and we're, I wanted to be a part of it. So we left like some bags of candy with like little Summit Park invite cards at our house. And, and so we left those in this big container and then we went out through the neighborhood. And, we, and so Titus, my younger son, he's probably five or six at the time, he, he got tired, and so we came back to the house, and Cruz, you know, he's never one to miss out on candy. He would have gone all night if we would have let him, all right? So he's going to get himself some candy. So he's going, and Jen took him, and so I took Titus back to the house, and we got back, and all of our candy bags were gone, you know? And so maybe there were a lot of kids, or maybe there was just one high schooler who decided to just, you know, st- stock up, you know? So anyways... Um, we came back, and I was like, oh, well, the candy's all gone, Titus swing, You might as well turn the light off, you know, so no kids come and knock at the door. We'll just turn the light off, and we'll watch some football or something, you know. Sounds like a good time. And he's like, no, he goes, Dad, but what about the other kids that are still out there? And I said, I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but, like, we don't have any more candy, and we're not going to the store, so they're out of luck okay I'm sorry you know they can be mad at the teenager who took all the bags you know so and Titus was like he goes but what about the kids who are still out there I said we don't have any candy he goes well I do I have some candy I was like you want to give away your candy and he's like he's like yeah and I was like no Titus he goes no I want to give away my candy and so I thought, this is a beautiful, this has literally happened, this is a beautiful moment. And so I was like, all right, I'm gonna let this play out, turn the light back on, and we take his bag and we dump it into our little you know, thing, our container that we had. And so every, people would come, knock on the door, and Titus, I was like, Titus, you wanna hand him out? He's like, yeah. So every time, he's handing that candy out, you know, and he's making sure, he looks him right in the eye. Because they don't, they don't know what he's doing but he's giving of his own candy. You know, so he's like, he's going slow with it too. You know, just to make sure they appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like. And he gave, he gave about half of his candy away. He gave about half his candy away. No, so Cruz has been out working and bringing all the candy. And so what happens, you know, Cruz brings his candy. And what do I do? I just combine it all anyways, you know. So they all share. And you know what? And, and neither one of them cared because they had more candy than they knew what to do with for months. For months. That idea, that idea is what the Apostle Paul is communicating in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That when you give, you can't outgive God. That when God sees your generosity, he's gonna reward you. So here's what I wanna do. This is this is a this is a powerful passage of scripture. I wanna walk through these verses. I'll make some observations as we do, and then we'll have a couple conclusions at the end, and we'll walk away hopefully more generous and more like Jesus as a result, all right? So if you're ready, jump in. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, say, I am. All right, let's do this. All right, there is no need for me to write to you about the service to the Lord's people. Again, he's raising money for these churches in Judea that are going through a famine, okay? And he says this, for I know your eagerness to help And I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians. Now, hold up a second. We we just talked in chapter 8. The Macedonians were the ones that Paul was using to encourage the Corinthians. He's like, look at their generosity. But he actually, before all of that, used the Corinthians' eagerness to motivate the Macedonians. So apparently what what happened was they got excited early on. The Corinthians were like, "All right, let's do this. Come on, yeah. Those churches in Judea, they need us. Let's go. Let's give. Yeah, well, let's change the world." Jesus, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? <laughs> they were pumped. They were pumped. So they got excited, but then they didn't do anything. <laughs> you know, and and everybody got excited about it because. They thought about the Corinthians rallying, and the Corinthians could really rally because they had a lot of money. And so this is kind of like in the movie Newsies. Anybody ever watched the movie Newsies? Just raise your hand. Always about three people in every service. It's a great musical. Christian Bale sings. It's awesome. Okay. Um, check it out. It's great. Um, but but in, in, that, in that movie, the good guys, are they get you know, ambushed by the bad guys and then spot from from Brooklyn shows up, okay, with the slingshot and about 100 other newsies who save him. And he goes, never fear, Brooklyn's here. And they start shooting the slingshots. You wanna watch it now, don't you? <laughs> it's awesome, all right? So anyways, they come in and they, they bust up all the bad guys. It's amazing, all right? Maybe you're not tracking with that, Lord of the Rings. This is like Lord of the Rings. When Gandalf comes, when all the guys, Aragorn, they're, they're holed up at Helm's Deep, and, and, and they're overwhelmed, and they're overrun, it's, it's like last case, and, and Gandalf says, look for me at light on the fifth day, and there he is, white horse, and all the him come down the, the, the side of the hill, and they're marching, it's like, yeah, Gandalf is here. Still not tracking? Okay, it's like... It's like the Chiefs struggling at the beginning of a season, okay? Yeah, and they're like, we need some offensive help, and they hire Josh Gordon. Yeah, like to come in, big receiver, going to help the offense, right? Like, yeah, help is on the way. Woo! Now we just need about eight new defensive players to supplement alongside of that. Might just have a season. When the Calvary comes, it's amazing, right? It's like, help is on the way. woohoo! The Corinthians are here. Except they don't show. The Corinthians are all excited. They've got all the resource. They could make a big difference. They talk a big game. But then they don't deliver. And that's why Paul is writing 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So he's like, come on, guys. Look at this, verse 3. He says, but I'm sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter. We've been bragging on y'all. We've been bragging about how generous you guys were talking. He says, But that should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we not to say anything about you would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. He's like, guys, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I told everybody about how generous you all were and how excited you were and how much you guys were like, yeah, let's do this. And don't you remember though? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Don't you remember that? And now, and now you guys are falling short. It's almost like Paul's appealing to their pride. He's almost like, come on y'all, like you said you were gonna do this. Now, I actually don't think he's appealing to the pride, I think he's appealing to their character. And he's saying, you guys said something, but now you're not backing it up. You guys talked a big game, but now you're leaving us hanging. He's saying, do what you say and say what you do, let your life be rooted in character. And let me just say, that type of example, really really important for the life of a believer and it will stand out big time especially today talk about lights talk about stars in the sky that's what happens when you live a life of character you say what you do and you do what you say that's what paul's talking about and he says when you do that when you back up your generosity or your talk of generosity with generosity god will bless you verse six Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if you give a little you're going to get a little. But whoever sows generously will also reap generously. If you give a lot you'll get a lot. But he says this each of you should live or should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you with a, abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, this is a very important passage of scripture, and I want to break this down. I want to explain it because if, if what he is saying is true, then this is absolutely amazing. Because let me, let me break this down. This 2 Corinthians 9.8 in the ESV says this, and God is able to make all grace. Everybody say All grace. All grace abound to you. The word grace there is the word charis. It's the word gift, favor. The idea is that, is that it's acts which display one's fondness or compassion for another. Kindness, kindheartedness, compassion. Check this out. That charis is God's charis for you. Now, if that's true, I want to be on the other side of God's charis, Right? Like, I want God's fondness. I want God's kind-heartedness. I want God's generosity. And he's saying God is able to do that, and he will do that when you're generous. Verse 9, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store. Everybody say, your store. (laughs) Your store your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. We we laid the groundwork for this last week. Who does the supplying in our lives? God. God. Yeah. It's God. He's 99% of the rhetorical questions. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Any one of those answers typically acceptable? God. God is the one who supplies. We laid the groundwork. You say, "No, I grinded, Scott. I went to school, Scott. I ate ramen nonstop, Scott. I worked for this." Who gave you the brain? Who gave you the body? Who gave you the breath? Who gave you the time and the country, this era that we're living in? That hard work would actually produce a profit that would be, you know, that, that would actually increase. Who who gave all of that to you? God did. God did. He says, the one who supplies seed will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, he goes on to verse 11 to say this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now, those those words, and then through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Two words there, enriched and every enriched is the word plutizo. it means to make rich to cause one to be rich the idea is abundance overflowing wealthy it's just clear like to make rich but in what way does he want to make you rich every way every way and that word every is pantos it means all every each whole total complete this is what god is saying he's saying you when you give when you get kingdom generosity in your spirit and in your life, in, your, in action, you will be enriched in every way so that you can continue to be generous on every occasion so that through your generosity, people will get saved. That's what he's saying. And God's gonna bless you in every way. Now, I've seen this in my own life time and time again. So a personal example, but where I learned this from is from my dad. Okay, so some of you know my story I've talked about it but we got we got saved when i was in second grade spent the first several years growing up as as a catholic it was nominal for us we didn't go you know christmas easter i went to catholic school but it wasn't it wasn't meaningful to me or my family and my parents got radically saved radically saved and they didn't know any better than just to start believing and practicing what the preacher was talking (laughs) Like, they didn't know any better. Like, okay, we're just going to start doing this. And so, and I think my dad was a generous, I think he he's a generous person in general. But, like, God changed his heart. Like, and he just starts being generous. And so he was always looking for ways to be generous. He's always doing, he loves hospitality. He loves, like, you know, making a spread, like, all over, you know, just kielbasa, cheeses, shrimp. Like, you know, it's like just, yes, come on, we're having church. Come on, somebody. Like, just, he loves having that. But, we would, we would always look for ways to be generous. And in fact, Good Friday uh, sales, um, oh, I'm sorry, Black Friday sales. <laughs> Good Friday, Black Friday. <laughs> Great days, both of them. <laughs> Black Friday sales, we would go early after Thanksgiving and uh, we'd go to Kohl's and I mean, we did this for years we buy out basically all of their popcorn tins. And there was a limit because they had, like, a sale on their popcorn tins, you know, with all the different popcorns. And so there was a limit on them. So he would bring all the kids. So, like, there was four of us. So that way we could get, like, as many pop. We'd have, like, seriously, a train of carts of popcorn tins. And so we'd and just keep them in his van, you know. Anytime he would see somebody, like, oh, yeah, 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 I got a popcorn tin for you, you know. And so just bring them a popcorn tin and just constantly generous. But God started, change, like, growing his... His heart is related to generosity. Now, uh, we come from a long line of window cleaners. Okay, so uh, my dad's a third generation. I was a fourth generation, but obviously left the biz. Okay, so, um, so that that was the that was the business. And and my dad started to to understand the principle of generosity and started giving more and giving more and giving more to the Lord, giving more to our church. And he just he just practiced this. And there was one time specifically, and uh, he didn't tell anybody this. Like, and I don't think he's ever told anybody this, but now I'm telling everybody this. So it's, uh, it's out there. But he told, he, he, we knew about this as a family, but there was an opportunity to invest in Yahoo early on. Anybody remember Yahoo? Like back in the day, like there was an opportunity to invest in Yahoo. And so he, he put some money into Yahoo and he said, God, I'm gonna give you whatever, you whatever you bring back. At this beginning, he just took a chance on Yahoo. It was a 10X return, six figure return. And he just, and he just gave it gladly and and he did stuff like that all the time he just did stuff like that I have seen my dad weather storms uh physically financially I mean the the 08 crisis in the Detroit area hit it very very hard blessed throughout the entire time had a had a head injury blessed all throughout it God has taken care of them I've seen this and my dad, my dad is closer to God than, than he's ever been. Like, he'll just randomly just start praying. You know, like, if we're talking about something, be like, oh, this is a hard situation. Father, we just pray right now. Like, oh, I guess we're praying, Lord. Okay, it's like, it like happens all the time. All the time. I, I don't, I, I've just seen it. And so when I read this and I started digging down, I was like, I've seen this actually work itself out. God blessed him financially, God's blessed him physically, God's taken care, God will take care of you. Do, do you believe that? That's what Paul's saying. Verse 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. He said, so it's not, only, it's not only helping people who are going through a famine, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God, it's producing worship. He's saying your giving is leading to worship. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. He so said, they're gonna be overflowing with thankfulness and gratitude because of what you've done. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus. Three thoughts about kingdom generosity. I just want to encourage you with from this passage that will help us all live more like Jesus. First of all, kingdom generosity is not about money. It's about the heart. Number two, kingdom generosity makes way for more kingdom generosity. And then kingdom generosity will be rewarded. Three thoughts. Let's apply these quickly. We'll walk away better. Turn to, turn to a couple people before we do and say, hey, God God really does have more for you. Come on, tell three people, God really does have more for you first thought is this kingdom generosity is not about money it's about the heart you know whenever you start talking about money you know in church which we don't do very often but when when, when you start talking about money you can start see people like just grab their wallets you know they just grab their wallets and be like, man, I don't know how these ushers are. They're gonna like try to steal my wallet. You know, it's like people just start getting a little bit like, like a little bit, a little bit just tight. And I just, you know, uncomfortable. And I just wanna set you at ease. Because like, man, is God after my money? I wanna encourage you with this. God is not after your money, he's after everything. <laughs> <laughs> He he wants all y'all. Like, he wants every bit of you because he wants you to have every bit of him. Like, this is, God is not after resource. He's after relationship. This is why, this is why, I mean, if we believe anything in this Bible gospel story, this is why Jesus came. He came. He lived. He died. He rose again for relationship. To redeem that which was lost to restore to renew to connect back with the people he so desperately loved so this is the story of the gospel so he's not after your money he's after your heart but he knows how much our heart is connected to our money right and the bible says that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks i think what paul's getting here is out of the abundance of the heart the soul gives the wallet gives if you will that's what he's getting at and that's what he says in second corinthians chapter nine he's like so i thought it necessary to urge, urge the brothers to visit you he said you know to give you a nudge as it were so you got like titus and some of the other apostles and they show up to the church at corinth you know and this isn't like mafia style you know this isn't like a mafia visit yo yo hey paul he said you got a gift cough it up like that's not what's happening here It's not that kind of nudge. You know, it's like brass knuckle nudge. (laughs) It's not that kind of nudge. But it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement. And I think what this this teaches, a couple things, a couple things from this. Number one is that the heart can be led. The heart can be led. I, I love... I love personality tests and I love like Enneagram. How many have ever done the Enneagram? Just raise your hand, just curious. Okay, so I love the Enneagram. I love all of that stuff. I think it's very interesting to know like why, you know, I think the way I do and why I act the way I do and some of those things. I love that stuff and I think it's helpful and we do like new staff hires. We put all of our applicants through that. I think it's helpful. But I also think it can be hurtful because sometimes what we be like, well, this is who I am. And I am who I am. And the only problem with that is the gospel. (laughs) Because the gospel says you are who you are, but God made you to be something more. (laughs) Like God actually has something more for you. God actually wants you to grow. God wants you could be better. Wouldn't that be cool? And let me just tell you this. Like however you've come in here, maybe you've been struggling with something for a long time. Guess what? God can change you. God can redeem you. God can set you free from addictions and from bad mindsets and from stinking thinking. He can change you. So you are who you are, but you could also be better. The heart can be led. Second, I think Paul understands that the heart gets led in community. That's why he sends the brothers. See, our hearts are prone to wander, left to our own devices. How many know we're capable of some messed up stuff, right? Like, our, our thinking can get messed up. That's why we got to stay in community. That's why you got to be in a life group. That's why church is important, being around people. That's why this building is important. We're going to have places for people just to hang out before after service. We're, we're taking every square inch, even outside, making places for people to hang. We can't wait for that because the body of Christ gets built up in that. So we understand that the heart gets led in community, but the heart also gets led by Generosity. I think Paul is, he's encouraging these Corinthians because he knows that that heart that said, yes, I want to help, initially was coming from a good place. And he's trying to get them back there. Something happened from this, yes, to all of a sudden they're holding back. Something got in the way. Something got in the way. And he knows that if he can just start encouraging them to be generous, their heart's going to get back on track. Their heart's gonna get back on track. And I think Paul's thinking about what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter six, when he says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, does he say where your heart is? there your treasure will be. He, he doesn't say that, I think that's true, but that's not what he says. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where you put your money, your heart will follow. Is that true? Isn't it true? We've used this illustration before, but if you wanna see it play out in your own life, sell everything you have, sell all your possessions, and put them in one stock. Just pick a stock randomly, uh, GE, you know, just, okay, Just and just, and, and, and just give everything to GE. American Airlines, Starbucks, watch how your heart will follow that stock. Watch how every day you're getting up and thinking, oh, how are they doing? How's Starbucks doing? Hey, you need some coffee? Here's some coffee. Drink some coffee. That's, that's what happens, right? You'll find yourself thinking about Starbucks. You'll find yourself like buying Starbucks clothes. You'll find yourself praying for Starbucks. You'll be like, hey, let's get together. Can we just take a moment? Let's just pray (laughs) about Starbucks. Why? Because where your treasure is, then your heart, it will be also. Paul's saying, hey, Corinthians, get back on track. Start giving again and watch your heart will follow. Your heart will follow. Let me just ask you, what's most important in your life? What's what's really most important in your life? Is it God and is it God's kingdom? That's what Paul's saying. Second, kingdom generosity makes way for more kingdom generosity. He uses the Macedonians to inspire the Corinthians, but he had already used the Corinthians to inspire the Macedonians. Paul understands something very important, that one act of generosity will lead to another act of generosity, right? Right? We already saw this last week with the $25,000 match. Like someone said, hey, I'm gonna do this. And then everybody's like, all right, boom. That somebody came up and was like, hey, whatever we don't meet, I wanna make up for it. Like people were just excited about it. One act of generosity inspired another act of generosity. So this is true for others. Wouldn't that be cool? Like if, I just wanna say outside of the building campaign, wouldn't that be cool if Summit Park was known as the generous church? Like, they're always paying it forward for people, you know, at the fast food line. They're always taking care of the poor and the needy in their area. They're just like, every year at Christmas, they just go over and above. Like, they're constantly thinking of ways to be generous. Wouldn't that be cool? Not for our glory, but for the glory of God. So when people see it, they're like, man, that's crazy. Like, they must believe this stuff. That would be pretty cool. But it's not just about others being inspired. It's about you being inspired. Your act of generosity will lead to greater acts of generosity in your own life. And and what will happen? Your world will get bigger. That's what he's saying in 2 Corinthians 9. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food food will also supply and increase. Everybody say increase. Increase. He's going to increase your store of seed. So as you sow... You're going to get more seed, and he's going to enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. God will make your harvest bigger. God will make your world grow. That's what he's saying. Proverbs 11, verse 24, the message. I love this. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Have you ever seen that in your own life? I see. I mean, anytime I'm, you know, we've talked about this when it comes to money before, but, like, this always plays out when you're at the checkout and they're like, do you want to give an extra dollar to whatever? And you're like, no. I came for groceries, you know? But it reveals something in the heart. So I'm not saying we should give to causes we don't believe in, but like, so I like look at the cause if I don't know it. Like i try trying to train myself. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Can I round up? I just want to be generous. As I say no to that, I see my heart get smaller. As I say yes to it, I see my heart get bigger. That's what Paul's talking about. The idea is expanse. God will grow you and then he will reward you. Look at this, kingdom generosity will be rewarded. Verse six, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give. What's he talking about? Is he ta- He's talking about money. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or earn a compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love this. This is the best verse, especially for preachers who don't feel uncomfortable talking about money. He's like, hey, listen. He's like, don't feel, comp- don't feel like this is a pressure thing. Don't be pressured by this. That's not the heart of God. This is Relational. This is God getting to your heart, changing the way you think and the way you view your resources and the way you view the kingdom and getting you to a place where you say, my stuff isn't really my stuff anyways. It's a a gift. So if I could take this gift and bless somebody else, what happens? Joy. God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He's going to take care of you. Okay? That's what he's saying. As you sow seed, you're going to reap a harvest. Now, I think that's one of the fun things about a giving campaign. As you sow financial seeds, you are going to reap a financial harvest. You will. I just, you will. That's, it's not my, it's not my word. It's God's word. I've seen it happen in my own life. And I was excited, I was excited to give. I was excited to fill that out online and press submit, let's go. Can't wait, let's do this. I can't wait to see how God comes through in my life. I can't wait to see how God comes through in your life. It's gonna be awesome. Let's share the testimonies as they come in. I believe it's financially, because he is talking about seed, but I also believe He's talking about a harvest because you don't plant seeds just to get more seeds, unless it's corn, which is kind of both. (laughs) But you plant seeds to get a harvest, right? What's, what's, What's a harvest biblically? I believe there's two things, two biblical ideas when it comes to harvest. First thing is joy, joy. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that. Psalm four, let me just read this real quick. Many Lord are asking who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill my heart with joy. When their grain and new wine abound, when they get the harvest, fill my heart with joy. Then what will happen in peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. That is a beautiful picture of a harvest of joy. That idea that when your prosperity is linked and connected with God and your harvest is coming back and, it's, and, it's, and, and God is giving you joy, you're gonna, you're gonna rest, you're gonna be at peace. I think there is a joy that comes from knowing that your life is not just about you, that God just blesses. Same with baptism. Why is it so beautiful? Why is it such an re- amazing experience? It's because it's obedience. Every time you obey, God's like, blessing. Every time you do what he asks you to do, blessing. When you open up, when you align with his principles and his practices, blessing. That's just what he does. So harvest language is about joy, but it's also about souls. When you look at the biblical language for harvest all throughout the Bible, it's about souls. It's about lives. John 4, one of my favorite passages of scripture, Jesus with the woman at the, at the well, Samaritan woman. He comes up to her, she's, she's had a messed up life. She's there at the well midday because she's embarrassed about her life. She's been with all kinds of different guys. She doesn't really wanna be like, she doesn't even wanna be like out, because everybody knows her stuff. She feels guilty, she feels ashamed. And yet Jesus goes to her, starts up a conversation with her And he starts like unpacking her life and like he's convicting her, but he's also in, like restoring her at the same time. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He convicts and then he restores. And she's like, oh, you just told me every bad thing about my life, but I love it. And this is amazing. I've never met anybody like you. I'm gonna go get the whole town real quick. Can you stay right here? And I'm gonna tell him about this person who told me everything about my life. So she goes back to the town and the disciples are there and they're like, hey, why don't you eat something? You gotta be hungry. Look at this, John 4. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples were like, could someone have brought him a snack? (laughs) Has he got some like hidden Twinkies like somewhere? And it's like, what's going on? My food, watch this, my food said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. He said, there's a greater reality than just my next meal. There's a greater reality to life than my next pleasurable moment. When you get into that lane, that's when, that's when life will start opening up for you. That's when you get this stuff. That's when the gospel, that's when the light bulb really comes on. And you see the game slows down for you. You see it for what it really is. And he says this, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. I think that Jesus is saying that as he's, walk, as he's watching all of these people, this whole town, come out to meet him. This lady, she's at the front. She's bringing everybody. He's like, look at the fields. That's the harvest. Y'all missing it. Yeah. That's what this whole thing's about. That's it. harvest language. Will God bless you financially? Absolutely. Will he give you joy? Yes. But maybe the best thing is that he's going to bring souls into the kingdom. As it relates specifically to this campaign, that's what Paul is talking about. He's like, 2 Corinthians 9, he's saying, your your life is going to overflow in many expressions of thanks to God. I believe this. I believe it. As we move into the building, even in before then, As people are coming, they're finding Christ, they're getting connected with God. You're gonna see people worshiping God. You're gonna see testimony videos of people finding God. And your generosity will result in thanksgiving. That's what he's saying. Now, I asked our operations director, Jeremy Needham, I asked him, I was like, hey, how many people have like, since we started our church, how many people have given their lives to Christ? How many people have gotten baptized? And he said, you know, he came back with some numbers. In the first eight years, we've had 565 people get baptized at Summit Park Church, which is pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Thankful for that. Very thankful. That's amazing. In the next eight years, if we have moderate growth, which we've had, some some years we've grown 30, 40, 50, 100% some years. If we have 5% growth in the next eight years, we'll see 1,143 people get baptized. In the next 25 years, we'll see 5,713 people get baptized. In the next 50 years, which we're gonna be here in Jesus' name, we'll see 25,000 people get baptized. In the next 89 years, in the next 89 years, I use 89 because that's that's how old Lee Summit First Church was when they merged with Summit Park. We're building on 89 years, we're going another 89 years. 244,000 people could get baptized at Summit Park in the next 89 years. Isn't that cool? 5% growth. Okay, what about salvations? First eight years, 2,848 people have made decisions for Christ, which is awesome. So cool. Next eight years, 4,201. Next 25 years, 21,000. Next 50 years, 92,000. Next 89 years, should Jesus tarry 897,000 at 5% growth? Which is just awesome, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Some of you are like, is that possible? With all things, all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. And that could change a city. That could literally put a dent and 75%. That's just 5%. So you say, this is not not about us. I'm just saying, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. We're, We're advancing the kingdom of God by the grace of God, by the power of God, and your generosity is making it happen. Your resource, your partnership is making a way for people to find and follow Jesus. That's what he's saying in 2 Corinthians 9. Because of the service, verse 13, by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God. I think one of the most beautiful things will be, as, as we move into that building, phase one, Lord willing, phase two, soon, you could walk around. You're walking around, you're seeing a bunch of people you don't know, and you're like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> They're all new. You've seen the baptism testimony, you're like, Look at that. You've seen people raising their hands. You've seen people engaging in worship. You've seen people find and follow Jesus, building community. You're discipling people, getting in your life group, helping someone, mentoring them. We do that, and you're gonna, you're gonna get a chance to see and say, praise God, my life was more than lattes and ice cream. It was more than, than, than new shoes, haircuts, My life is counting for something more. That's what Paul is saying. And so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And I just, I want to invite you to be a part. And so that's what these pledge cards are for. If you haven't filled out a pledge card, I'd like you to do that. We talked about even the dessert tour. If you filled one out, we'd like to have you do that so we can keep track of all of them. Partner with us. Let's do this. Let's pray. Let's give. Let's change the world. And let's see God do more in and through us than we ever thought possible. Amen? All right, would you stand with me at both locations? Let's just take a moment. If you haven't filled out your pledge card, I'd like to invite you to do that. We're gonna pass the buckets here in a moment, but let's just dedicate ourselves to God and every aspect of us. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for the goodness of God. We thank you so much for this word, for this, this idea, this truth, Lord. That It's amazing, it's amazing, but what you do, with our lives, what you do with our hearts as we lay them before you, as we partner with you, as we see you interact with our our hearts and our finances, Lord, and we partner with you and we see great things happen, Lord, we just thank you for it. And we just ask that, God, you would do what you said you would do. Lord, we just pray that you would do that. Do it, Lord. We pray for more people to experience the goodness of God, more people to find and follow Jesus. Let it happen, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's just take a moment. Let's respond in worship. And thank you so much for being a part of this.